Cause we got the alternative energy Molecular free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Hello and welcome to today's Radioactive Show On the program we're going to speak with Alicia Sanders-Zaka From the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons Alicia is the Policy and Research Coordinator at ICANN and the co-author of a new report that they released on the 12th of June called Wasted 2022 Global Nuclear Weapons Spending. And the report shows that spending increased to $82.9 billion in 2022. In the second half of the show, we'll hear Fung from Tuesday Breakfast Program speaking with Sana Deswat about Friends of the Earth's Nuclear Free Campaign and the upcoming art auction that is on Friday 30th of June at Catalyst Social Centre on Sydney Road. First up, let's hear from Alicia Sanderzaka. I'm the Policy and Research Coordinator for the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. And I first got involved with ICANN during the negotiations of the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Um, when I came to New York to um, report on what was going on for kind of where I was working at the time in, in DC um, and really saw the power of this treaty and, and the movement. So it was really excited to have the chance to join ICANN a few years later. Fantastic. ICANN has just released a new report, Wasted 2022 Global Nuclear Weapons Spending. Tell us a bit about the background to this report. So this is our fourth uh, annual global nuclear weapons spending report. Uh, we started producing this analysis in 2019. Um, and we've seen that every year um, spending on nuclear weapons has increased, uh, you know, regardless of any security environment, regardless of uh, all the other, uh, you know, challenges that the world is facing. There's been this steady increase in spending on weapons of mass destruction. Um, and so we started the report to draw attention to this issue, to bring more transparency, um, not only to how much each country is spending on nuclear weapons, but also the companies that are profiting uh, from the production of nuclear weapons, um, as well as the, the think tanks that are getting huge donations uh, from these companies. So to really illustrate the full cycle of, of spending on, on nuclear weapons each year. And what was the standout findings for you in this year's report? So this year we found uh, that the nine nuclear armed states spent um, $82.9 billion on their nuclear arsenals in 2022. That's uh, more than $157,000 per minute uh, on nuclear weapons. Um, and the private sector, the companies building parts of these, of these weapons uh, earned at least $29 billion uh, in 2022. Um, the United States spent more than all of the other nuclear armed countries combined at uh, 43.7 billion. Um, and we saw how, how companies were putting their profits um, back into lobbyists, uh, millions of dollars over over $100 million spent on lobbying, um, as well as uh, somewhere between 20 and, and 36 million spent 
funding really the most prominent think tanks uh, that are researching and writing about nuclear weapons. It's hard for most people to think about what these scale of figures mean, but I know you have compared those to some of the impacts that this kind of spending could have if it was used in the areas of health and what ways do you use to kind of make these figures relatable to people? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so hard to really wrap your head around how much $82.9 billion is, even $1 billion. Um, it's, it's just an enormous, enormous amount of money. And so we did do some uh, kind of comparisons to give you a sense of what this money could have been spent on instead. Um, you know, just, just one example is for $82.9 billion, you could provide clean water sanitation for about 1.3 billion people uh, worldwide. Um, it's really an enormous amount of money and uncomprehensible amount of money that could be much better spent addressing any number of actual security challenges that the world is facing, uh, from climate change to food insecurity to, uh, you know, global pandemic prevention, all, all of these, uh, causes deserve funding much more than building and maintaining weapons of mass destruction. And yeah, as you pointed out, like there's so much money that these companies are making and then in turn putting that back into lobbying and trying to change, I guess, public opinion about nuclear weapons and the need for them. It seems such a criminal activity on such a massive scale and yeah and they have these huge amounts of monies that they're using to try and continue their business as usual scenario and are there points of intervention that you can see would be really powerful or what are the next steps looking at the findings of this report definitely I mean I think the first step is transparency and I really encourage you to check out the report because there's so many, I think, details there that really unveil how um, intricately linked a lot of the, the industry, the think tanks, the, uh, the banks, uh, as well as, of course, governments um, are when it comes to producing and maintaining nuclear weapons. Um, and it's, you know, even for me, it was, was eye-opening to really see the, the details of, you know, how many um, nuclear weapons producers, how many meetings they have with heads of state of nuclear armed countries um, in a year, or, you know, how um, how many CEOs of, of these companies, North of Grumman, Lockheed Martin, um, that are producing nuclear weapons sit on, um, you know, boards of, of think tanks uh, and influence the research that's produced on nuclear weapons. Um, so first, I think, is being aware. Um, but then I think the another reason that we produce this report is to illustrate how many opportunities there are for people to uh, speak up and interject uh, into this cycle, try to break this cycle, whether that's, um, you know, finding out if your bank is investing in uh, in one of these companies that that produces nuclear weapons. Um, or, or your pension fund uh, and, and calling for an end to that, whether that's, um, you know, if you're a researcher, um, 
you know, checking what what is kind of the the funding of your research institute and understanding, um, you know, if you're getting funds from a nuclear weapons producing company, um, that's that you know likely will have some influence on the research that you're doing and and really asking questions about if uh, if it's kind of objective, unbiased research on nuclear weapons. Um, you know, whether that's, of course, there's the political angle, um, asking questions of your government about these ties to nuclear weapons producing companies, um, and, you know, how this can be kind of considered consistent with a democratic, uh, democratic process. So there's really lots of ways to, to intervene. And I think what's so important is that we have the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons as such a clear uh, standard and clear um, way to understand that nuclear weapons are illegal and every actor that is involved in uh, producing and maintaining these weapons uh, and putting their funds behind that um, is, you know, engaging in activity that's been banned under international law. And that's a really compelling reason uh, for them to stop. Yeah, for sure. So have you got some examples of ways that people are, are using this report at the moment? Yeah, we've seen, you know, for example, um, parliamentary questions about um, about nuclear weapons spending. That's something that that can always, um, you know, you can work with a, a member of, of uh, parliament to, to ask questions. Um, I think another way that we saw the report being used particularly was when we started doing the research on think tanks um more people just engaging on on twitter or kind of calling out when they see a an event a research event that is sponsored by a nuclear weapon producer um calling that out and, and saying you know this is unacceptable or kind of raising questions about any of these pro um pro-nuclear weapons, pro-deterrence uh, reports, really kind of asking questions about if this is objective research or if this has an ulterior motive uh, that, that might be funding from nuclear weapons producers. Um, so I think, yeah, these are a couple of ways that we've seen, uh, we've seen people using the report uh, to increase transparency and, and call out uh, pro-nuclear pro weapon behavior. Mm, excellent. And tell me what else the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons has got planned in the near future. Well, we're um, really gearing up for the second meeting of states parties uh, to the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons that's going to take place at the end of November in New York. Um, I think this is going to be a really big uh, moment, really big event. Uh, for advancing disarmament. Um, we saw last um, last June at the first meeting of states parties, states adopted the first action plan in, in over a decade on disarmament. Um, and it was a big kind of rallying point for, for civil society as well. Um, so I think this is going to be another really key, key moment um, that should, you know, really be centering civil society, centering communities that have been affected by nuclear weapons, uh, and really working to advance towards disarmament and also implementing the treaty's uh, obligations to provide assistance uh, and start environmental remediation um, for, for 
uh, people and, and places impacted by nuclear weapons use and testing. Anything else that you would like to share with listeners? No, I don't think so. Um, just, you know, do we've got the report on our websites. Uh, we've got some social media explainers and graphics. So please do feel free to, to share those and share the research. And I hope the report is, uh, is useful. Brilliant. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to hearing more about the meeting of state parties later on this year. Great. Thanks so much for having me. That was Alicia Sandizaka from the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. And that's a coalition of non-governmental organizations in 100 countries that are promoting adherence to and implementation of the United Nations Nuclear Weapons Ban Treaty. We're going to go to a song now by Matt Ward called Keep On Pushing Back. You just gotta have some hope, keep on pushing you just gotta have some hope, keep on pushing back. You just gotta have some hope, keep on pushing. You just gotta have some hope, keep on pushing back. To keep on pushing, oh, to keep on pushing, oh, yo. To keep on pushing, ass. To keep on pushing, clean, go. To keep on pushing, jobs. To keep on pushing nuclear, to keep on pushing cars, to keep on pushing carries. You just gotta have some hope, keep on pushing. You just gotta have some hope, keep on pushing back. You just gotta have some hope, keep on pushing. You just gotta have some hope. Keep on pushing back To keep on pushing laws To keep on pushing MPs To keep on pushing bills To keep on pushing lobbies To keep on pushing lies To keep on pushing greenwash To keep on pushing ass To keep on pushing hogwash You just gotta have some hope Keep on pushing you just gotta have some hope, keep on pushing back. You just gotta have some hope, keep on pushing. You just gotta have some hope, keep on pushing back. To keep on pushing mines, to keep on pushing train lines, to keep on pushing plants, to keep on pushing deadlines, to keep on pushing time. To keep on pushing limits, to keep on pushing blood, to keep on pushing bullshit. To keep on pushing, oh, 
They keep on pushing oil They keep on pushing gas They keep on pushing clean coal They keep on pushing jobs They keep on pushing nuclear And that was Keep On Pushing Back by Matt Ward. Thanks so much for sharing that with us on the Radioactive Show. And Matt has just released an album called Climate Wars, an album for the end of times. And you can find that on Bandcamp, Matt Ward, M-A-T-W-A-R-D dot Bandcamp dot com. Up next, Fung from Tuesday Breakfast speaking with Sana about the work of the Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth Melbourne. Thank you, Sana, for joining us on 3CR. Can you start by telling us about how you got involved in the Nuclear Free Collective? Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so 12 years ago, 2011, Footprints for Peace organised a walk from Yaliri in Western Australia all the way down to Perth. I think it was 10 weeks, 1,200 kilometres, and... Um, we joined in the last three weeks and it was such a life-changing experience walking with traditional owners on their land, like denouncing uh, a proposed uranium mine, which since has been rejected, which is great news. I think that those kind of experiences are kind of transformative. And I, I've been away um, overseas for a while. And when I came back, I got back involved. Great. Thank you so much for that. For those who are unfamiliar with the Jabaluka blockade, can you tell us about this fight led by the Mira community? Yeah, I was not here um, in, in the country either, but what I've heard, it's pretty emblematic on an international level. People know about the Jabaluka blockade and it just brought, there was momentum and it brought a whole lot of people together. It was the Mira um, traditional owners who called it and invited people to come and and protest the mine on their land and a lot of people took that invitation and big names as well like Peter Gareth and Tom Uren joined in that struggle and and it it went on for quite a few years and they they won it and at the moment the great news is that they're not planning on mining it again so um, there's a small company that's still trying to keep it as an asset but Rio Tinto is saying no and that's a huge win, which should be the way it goes everywhere. But unfortunately, we're not there yet. Yeah, definitely. It's been 25 years since the blockade. Can you tell us what are the sorts of things that you're reflecting on? Uh, you alluded to this just now, but there are still lots of fights that we're involved with and a lot of struggle there. So what are some of the things that you're concerned with at the moment? Yeah, so the, the nuclear free movement has been quite good together at keeping nuclear away. Like Australia is the third biggest uranium miner in the world and a big exporter. And so there was all that potential, so to say, from a from an exploitative perspective. And the Australian community and, and especially led by traditional custodians have really kept that at bay. So there's there's legal bans against nuclear power and the mines, there are a few mines, unfortunately, that haven't been able to be stopped yet. There's a new mine coming in, coming out of care and maintenance, the honeymoon mine at the end of this year. 
Um, we are expecting it not to be a honeymoon, but a divorce um, very shortly. <laughs> but yeah, so there's there's been really good momentum and really good steady, steady fight against the nuclear industry in Australia, which can be quite aggressive. And I guess uranium and nuclear is in decline. All the reactors are closing down. There's a handful that is being built. They're hugely expensive and are taking decades to be built. So there's there's not any perspective and the nuclear industry is kind of desperate to, to keep struggling to stay alive. And they're quite aggressive in their propaganda and the misinformation as that it should be a solution to climate change, which it is very much not. So we're constantly fighting at the moment that misinformation and debunking. It's too slow, too expensive and too risky to, to be any solution to climate change, apart from the fact that most reactors would be built really close to water because they take millions of liters of water and um, with rising sea levels and floods, that is a huge risk as well. So not, not a solution. And we are we are fighting that. There's also a nuclear waste dump. Again, we've been fighting nuclear waste dump after nuclear waste dump in the last 20 years. Currently, one is proposed in Kimba, South Australia. The local traditional owners are opposing the mine, but they have not been heard by the government. They've been actually actively excluded in the community ballot, and they have a legal case running at the moment to contest that. So we are hopeful that people will be heard, which would be quite great in when the government is talking about listening to Aboriginal people and having a voice and listening to that voice while at the same time um, with a legal team fighting um, Aboriginal owners for their right to be, be counted in a community ballot for the, the nuclear waste dump that they are unanimously opposing. And the other thing is AUKUS. So yeah, that's a that's a big one. The nuclear submarines, um, they are gonna be nuclear propelled and not nuclear armed as we've been promised so far, but still there, there are better alternatives than that. And it the, the problem is that it opens a potential door for waste, for nuclear expertise that we don't have in Australia at the moment. And it will take like a lot of problems, like a huge high level, potentially international waste dump will come with that. So we are trying to fight that at any cost and especially ring fence, whatever that military um, risk is at the moment or the, the, the military project from any other nuclear industry um, developing domestically. And it seems like the common commonality between all of these issues is that, of course, it's going to affect First Nations communities first and foremost, uh, and they're all, always on the front lines of these battles. And it's interesting that you were talking about how they're being actively excluded from any of these discussions by the government at the same time that there's this overarching sort of message from the government for a voice and yet they're actually doing they're that. spending they're spending millions on lawyers to fight mm. the traditions in their right to have a say yeah another thing that you were talking about was all the misinformation that was coming from the nuclear industry and and all the all those 
people and organisations that are trying to campaign really hard for it uh, as it's experiencing a decline. You know, one of the things that always comes up is, like you said, the nuclear waste. And even though on the surface it says that it's, you know, nuclear energy and all of that is supposed to deal with or fight climate change, there are all these disastrous impacts on the environment and on the people who live in those communities. So it, it doesn't really do much, does it? No, like I can I can see how especially young climate activists seem to be more susceptible to to the propaganda and the spin that's being um advocated by the nuclear industry. And and I can see, you know, like if you if you're looking at your future as a young person and you're kind of desperate and 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 such a golden nugget as it is presented is 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 promised to you, you think, oh, that might be an option. But it's actually replacing one terrible future with another terrible future um, with waste and radioactive risk for hundreds or thousands of years. And there are good alternatives around that are way quicker um, in in setting up. So, yeah, I think it's really important to to that we as a as a nuclear movement, I think um, our demographic is aging and it's really um, important to reach out to young generations that don't have the the historic memory of a Jepaluka blockade and all the um, huge movement that was happening in the 70s and 80s in um, Australia. They don't remember Chernobyl or not even have really at the forefront of their mind mind what happened in in Fukushima, um, which is still having troubles with the, the, they're currently pumping um, millions of liters of radioactive water into the ocean. So yeah, that's that's kind of one of our challenges as a as a movement to connect to the younger generations and and make sure that they don't fall for the for the spin that is is being presented because in the end it's going to be a really long delay in which the status quo will be held with fossil fuels. Um and so it's it's not a not a solution at all. Yeah. So the Nuclear Free Collective is putting on an art auction at the end of June, the theme of which is 25 years since Jabaluka blockade, no to Orcus. Can you tell us more about this upcoming event? Yeah, so um we're quite excited. Um it hasn't been able to happen for a couple of years because of the pandemic. And the Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth had been running these auctions for for years and they have gotten quite popular. So we're really excited to be able to hold one again and it's promising to be such a fun night. We've got some great art, but apart from that, we're going to have really great bands playing. There's going to be a kids' banner painting session in the back, potentially a live street artist making an, an artwork at the spot um, because it is smack bam in the middle of the of the holidays, the kids' holidays. So we've got a bit of, it's child friendly. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun night and people coming together after all this time. And so it's looking back on 25 years since since this emblematic Jabaluka blockade, but also in the current wave that we're in, saying a strong no to AUKUS, which is, yeah, a biggie at the moment. Yeah, and then looking ahead, what are some of the key priorities for the collective? Obviously, AUKUS being a huge one, but are there any other campaigns that you can 
tell our listeners about? Yeah, so the the nuclear waste dump um, in Kimba has been a big one. So we're we're continuing to support that. The Nuclear Free Collective have, has also been actively part of the Australian Nuclear Free Alliance, which is a, a black green alliance of groups that have through the years fought on different fronts. So it, it started around the time of the Jabaluka blockade with the mirror um traditional owners and then people from the different dump sites and fighting the different mines like the BHP Olympic Dam have been joining that um, alliance and um, people also that have been um, victims of the British nuclear tests that happened, which a lot of Australians surprisingly don't know about or know very little about. And that's a reality. This year is 70 years in some of those tests happened and and communities especially aboriginal communities that were living in the area are still feeling the effects generations after so it's all of that and of course working together with the international campaign for the prohibition of nuclear weapons and trying to promote the 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 treaty the ban treaty to be signed by our current government which would be great anthony albanese has been a great championing <laughs> championing the the nuclear ban treaty in the past before co- becoming a prime minister and and recently at Hiroshima when he visited as part of the G7 he he was confirming how important it was and and his commitment to get rid of nuclear weapons so we're really hopeful that in this term um the government will sign the, the ban treaty great yeah we'll be keeping a close eye on that one to make sure it yeah. happens just lastly, Sana, can you tell us exactly where will the art auction be held and what date, just so listeners can can note it down in their diaries? Yes, please save the date. So it's the 30th of June, which is a Friday night. Um, the viewings will be open at five o'clock at Catalyst Social Centre, which is on um, 144, 146 Sydney Road in Coburg. So it's a bit north of there and it's a really nice space. So come along, come and have a dance, come and listen to some music and and look at some amazing art. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us on 3CR, Sana. Thank you so much for having me. And please come along to the Nuclear Free Collective's art auction fundraiser. We'll provide links to all the information on our podcast and you can listen back to all our podcasts on 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive the nuclear free collective at friends of the earth melbourne is of course our ongoing supporter of the radioactive show and a big thank you to all the people who have chipped in and helped get the radioactive show across the line with our target for 3cr's radiothon fundraiser if you haven't contributed and you'd like to it's not too late to join our fundraiser fundraising campaign and you can just go to givenow.com.au forward slash cr forward slash radioactive thanks so much for listening and tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues did you enjoy listening to that podcast 3cr is a community radio station and you the listener are a part of that community Right now, it's our Radiothon. We need you to pitch in with a few dollars to keep the station going. We can't do it without you. It's easy. Head to 3cr.org.
www.patreon.org.au forward slash donate. Your donations really matter.